Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions podcast, where we discuss contemporary issues in cross-cultural urban ministry. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York, and today we're going to be continuing to address the question, what is evangelism? So in our last episode, we looked at evangelism from a few different angles. We looked at the practice that we see Jesus engaging in in Scripture and the means through which we see him sharing the good news about kingdom. We talked about some common practices that our GCMI team has seen in various cities, uh, in other urban ministries, and we ended on the idea of the mosaic approach. And what we said there was that we wanted to take a natural, more conversational approach to evangelism, and we used this idea of the mosaic, that uh, sharing the gospel is like building a mosaic for someone that's made of lots of small pieces. And the image there is the kingdom of God and the character of God. And at the center of that image is the cross. But we don't necessarily have to start with the cross when we're constructing this picture for others. We can take the everyday and even mundane conversations around us, things about money and about family, uh, about politics, about work. And we can take these normal conversations and find ways to build small piece by small piece until we start to form this image of kingdom and make it visible uh, to our evangelistic relationships. So that was the idea that we left off on. Today, I want to talk about the actual skill involved there. This is what we refer to as making spiritual statements that uh, we did an exercise where we took the five topics that come up most often in your community and in your neighborhood. This is where we start our evangelism training with most people. We say, okay, write down the things that get talked about every day. What are the, the conversations that if you walk out your front door, People are going to be discussing these things just routinely, and you can pretty much guarantee it. And then let's find a way to make spiritual statements about those topics that might be those initial pieces in building the mosaic. So that's the skill we want to address today. How do we form and make spiritual statements? Now, again, the first step uh, to making any kind of evangelistic approach, if we're going to do it in this sort of mosaic way, is to figure out what people are talking about. And we have a fuller discussion about that on our last podcast. You can find that on our website. So I'm not going to go into that too much in depth today. But if we don't know what's already being talked about around us, if we don't understand the conversations and the concerns that people already have in the community that we're trying to reach, we're probably not going to make a lot of progress uh, in building evangelistic relationships. So once we know what's talked about, we need to sit down and think about the ways that the gospel addresses these things. Um, So let me give you an example. I was doing a training in Chinatown, uh, and I had the group do this five topics exercise. And one of the women uh, in that training, when she was just writing down what the normal conversations were that she had every week, one of the topics was ghosts. And I hadn't exactly expected that. I don't have a lot of conversations about ghosts in my work in the Bronx. But we sat down and said, okay, what what is it that the gospel has to say about the spiritual world that relates to the conversations that you're already having? And she came up with the idea that in most of these conversations, uh, people are afraid of uh, spiritual attack or they feel haunted And in some of them, people feel like their loved ones are trying to reach out to them and communicate with them. And I said, okay, let's sit down and figure out a way that you can make a statement about kingdom or about your faith or about your identity identity as a disciple that has to do with those experiences. 
And she came up with a spiritual statement for each of those kinds of conversations. She said, for the ones where people feel afraid, I could say something about how my faith in Jesus is the reason that I'm not afraid of dark elements in the spiritual world, that I feel like God is going to protect me from harm or spiritual attack in that way. For the more positive conversation, the people that felt like loved ones were reaching out to them, she said, uh, a spiritual statement I could make there would be to say, oh, that reminds me of like what Jesus said at the Last Supper to his disciples about that he would leave, but he would send the Holy Spirit to comfort them and continue to guide them. And I think both of those are great examples of how to make a spiritual statement. They take a conversation that's already ongoing and they don't try to hijack the conversation, but they do try to insert some sort of content that points towards gospel or the identity of the, the speaker as a disciple of Jesus. And so I thought that she gave a great example of that. And there's a few things that I want to note uh, that I think she did well. The first is that spiritual statements need to be short and they need to be conversational. They probably don't need to exceed somewhere between 10 and 30 seconds. Uh, because at that point, it's no longer really a conversation. It becomes a monologue or a presentation. One of the other things that she did well, and this is going along the same lines of, of not trying to hijack the conversation, spiritual statements need to be able to be ignored. Um, that if we're going to be trying to have a normal conversation as the context for evangelism, we need to allow the other person to not respond to the statements we're trying to make. Either let them change the subject or let them continue the conversation. Uh, even let them say, oh, that's nice, and just go on with their thought. But we're really not trying to manipulate where the conversation is going so much as plant a small seed that if they wish to respond to it, if they wish to acknowledge it, they're able to. And let me give an example of that that just happened to me within the last week. Uh, I was at one of the uh, businesses that serves as a ministry inroad for me in one of the neighborhoods that I do a lot of evangelism in. And I ran into a guy that I had seen on the street before, but I didn't know him very well. Uh, he had just started a new job down the street at an auto shop. And so I struck up a conversation with him, and he made a comment about the mutual friend of ours that hooked him up with his job. And he said, getting a little emotional, that he really appreciated that uh, because he'd been kicked out of the house, and he'd reached out to everybody in his family, and the only one that had helped him was this mutual friend. So I said, oh, that he's such a good guy. Uh, you know, I've known him a long time. Uh, he always reminds me of the Good Samaritan. You know that story? And he nodded his head. He said, yeah, I know that story. But I kind of felt like maybe he didn't or I just wanted to verify that he did. So really quickly I said, yeah, the Good Samaritan, you know, the guy got beat up and mugged on the side of the highway and a priest passed by and ignored him. And then one of the guys from his own neighborhood walks by and ignores him. And the Samaritan who, you know, the Samaritans and the Jews, hate one another. He stops by, he picks the guy up, takes him to the hospital, pays for his bills with his own money. And he says, you know, anything else that this guy needs, you put on my tab. I said, that's how our mutual friend is. Now, again, that's telling a Bible story that is emerging organically from the conversation I'm already having. And I've condensed it down to 20, maybe 30 second telling. And I'm not really trying to hijack the conversation. I'm trying to keep the ball rolling in terms of engaging this person, while also infusing our interaction with some gospel content. And 
in the ghost example and in the Good Samaritan example I just gave, again, this is this mosaic approach that I'm not trying to get every piece of the gospel on the table at one time. I'm trying to add little by little to build this bigger picture of kingdom for the people that I'm interacting with. Just small seed planting, but to sow often, to sow abundantly, and then see what grows from that. And I think seed planting is the right metaphor. When we look at, for example, the parable of the sower, the sower throws out seed everywhere because he doesn't know what kind of soil it's going to fall on. And it's not the responsibility of the sower to make those seeds grow. It's the responsibility to sow them. And that's exactly what we're trying to do when we're making spiritual statements. We're trying to present ourselves authentically as a spiritual person, as a disciple of Jesus, so that if the other person wishes to respond, if if they wish to germinate or reflect on that seed, and if fruit is going to come of that, that's up to them. One of the things that I say often when I do this training with people uh, in churches or with new missionaries is I say, we don't have an agenda for the other person when we do evangelism. We have an agenda for ourselves. Our agenda is to go out and to be authentically and openly Christian in ways that people can respond to. But we're not trying to manipulate or control how they respond. We need to let people be unspiritual or be rocky soil if they wish to be. Uh, and when we do that, actually, I think sometimes we allow them to change their mind later on in their relationship because they see that we, we're we not trying to control them. We're only trying to be ourselves and allow them to respond and engage that however they wish to. On the other hand, though, I think there is a way to take this mosaic approach and making spiritual statements that can elicit more of a response from people if you think there may be one. Uh, there's a lot of times where, you know, I make spiritual statements and no one responds to those in any way or even acknowledges that I say them. And so one of the things that I'll often do is then come back around at a later interaction and do what we call beatitude evangelism. This is a, a take on the spiritual statement methodology. But what it does is try to approach the other person in a way that's going to invite them more intentionally to respond in some way. I want to give you two examples of that and then address why we talk about this as beatitude evangelism. So the first example uh I want to talk about my friend Dave. I went to Dave, and he is uh, a real peacemaker in his neighborhood. Anytime conflict breaks out, he's always in the middle of it, uh, trying to resolve things, trying to make sure both parties communicate well. And Dave is not a Christian, and, and as far as I know, knows very little Bible at all. But I went to him, and I said, hey, Dave, I see that you're a peacemaker in this way. And as a Christian, that's a really important thing to me. In fact, Jesus says that, uh, you know, peacemakers are blessed. So here's a problem that I have in, in my relationship with uh, somebody I go to church with. And I explained what was a real relational problem to him. I said, if you were going to advise me how to make peace there, what would you tell me to do? Because I think that you're more naturally skilled in this area than I am. But as a Christian, it's important to me to learn how to do that better. Can you help me? And so Dave did. He gave me some great advice about how to go and address this relational problem. And what I did there was make a spiritual statement that was intended to bless and honor Dave, that like the Beatitudes, like Jesus does in the Beatitudes, to call out something in Dave that already 
is within the bounds of the kingdom of God that maybe he doesn't realize that there's something about himself or about his personality, the way he goes through life, that's already more aligned with the message of kingdom than he might realize. And then I want to invite him to see that thing about himself and then help me imagine a way that I can start to grow as in that area as well. I'll give you another example from not too long ago. We were reading uh, the parable of the shrewd manager in one of our house churches. And in most of our house churches, at least half the room are uh, disciples, but not yet believers or converts. That They're people who want to be around learning about Jesus, but they haven't made a decision of faith or been baptized yet. So this parable came up and everyone was really confused and was asking me about what it was about and how they're supposed to understand and apply this. And I said, you know, let me go talk to my friend Pablo. I said, Pablo is not a Christian, but he's a very insightful person. I'll go ask him and then I'll come back and tell you what he says. So the next time I saw Pablo, I went up to him and I said, hey, uh, we were having this conversation at church and everyone was asking me questions about this parable. Uh, I told him that you would probably have a better insight on it than I would. So can I tell you this story and you tell me what you think is going on? And he said, of course. And so I told him the parable and I said to him, uh, you know, Pablo, what is this supposed to teach me about God? And what is this supposed to teach me about life? And how am I supposed to put this into practice uh, in my life if I take it seriously? And frankly, he had some of the best insights into that story that I've ever heard. And I actually now, every time I read that story, I, I read it through the way that Pablo helped me interpret it because he had actually had an experience like that. Uh, he had grown up as a drug dealer and a mid-level uh, kind of gangster and so had frequently been in a position of owing money uh, to his boss for accounts that he was in charge of managing. And so he had a really keen insight into the relational dynamics there and what was going on. But by giving him the opportunity to explain it to me and by inviting him to help me, I've opened up a very different avenue for evangelism. And in fact, Pablo went on to tell that parable to a number of other people in our neighborhood after I told it to him. And this all emerged from a single spiritual statement that I, I think you're insightful. I think that you're intelligent. I think, can you help me? And so this beatitude evangelism is one of the approaches that we often use when we're trying to do spiritual statements, but make them in a way that invite the other person to engage us more intentionally. And I think it's important to point out again that whether it's a simple statement, like the examples I gave at the beginning, or whether it's this beatitude evangelism approach, when we're making these spiritual statements, when we're trying to start these evangelistic conversations, we're not trying to manipulate or control the other person. We're trying to just present ourselves in a way that is authentically Christian, that is explicitly uh, addressing our identity as a disciple of Jesus. And then we want to let them respond however they wish to. So I'm not going to go to Dave and ask him for help. And then say, no, 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 that's the wrong answer. I was looking for you to say this. And I'm not going to go to Pablo and ask him to help me interpret this parable and then tell him, well, here's where you're wrong, because this is what it actually means. So that would be a bait and switch. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I don't have an agenda for how they're going to respond. I just have an agenda for me. And so this is the skill that I want to leave on challenging you with this week. I want you uh, to have gone out and listen to the conversations that are going on around you. And then let's try to develop two or three statements or questions or beatitude approaches to the people that we're going to run into so that wherever these conversations come up, we're ready to share our faith with others. 
And this is how we start filling in that mosaic. Little by little, this is how we begin planting those seeds that can start to germinate and then grow into a discipling relationship. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Global City Missions podcast hosted by GCMI. Uh, Be sure and subscribe for more episodes, and you can find out more about us on our website at www.globalcitymission.org or by visiting us on our Facebook or Twitter page.